All right, hey everyone, welcome to the exchange. So glad you guys are here. Uh, before we do anything, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We would love to get you a Bible so you can follow along with us. But turn to Matthew chapter 16 and 1 Corinthians 3. Raise your hand, don't be shy. We'd love to get you a Bible so you can follow along with us. Matthew 16, 1 Corinthians 3. Again, if you're new, just want to say welcome. So glad you're here. My name is Josiah. Um, I would love to meet you after and just say what's up uh, if you have any time after service. Um, before we get into the study and what we're doing, I do want to give just a, a quick thank you to everyone. On Thursday night, we had a prayer walk, um, a prayer walk over Deerfield, and it was awesome. Yeah, it was great. We actually had like 40 people come out and just kind of walk over the city, walk over area, the area of Deerfield and just pray. And it's really refreshing if you came or if you're just praying from afar. Uh, it's just a sweet time. Uh, we got to like look at apartments and restaurants and see people, meet people, just talk to them about Jesus and pray over them. And it's a really sweet time on Thursday night. So thank you guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for praying from afar. It was just a really sweet night, beautiful night. Um, so here's where we're at. Next week, I want you to be aware of one thing. Next week is our one-year anniversary. So excited for that. Um, we're actually starting the book of Philippians. Really excited to get into that book. Uh, we're looking at it as, in a sense as like a colony of heaven, how we're citizens of heaven on earth. And so we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians for a few months, and that starts next week. And once church is over, just want to remind you that once church is over next Sunday, we're going to Boca to Sugar Sand Park, and we're going to have like a little just church picnic, hang out. We have like someone coming to make balloon animals, and we're going to have some sports and food. It's going to be great. So if you could bring a dish next week, if you could bring something, that'd be awesome. We're going to provide the burgers and all that, all that stuff. But if you could bring a side dish, that would be great. It's a lot of people to feed. So next week, what time? One o'clock. Sweet. So that's next week. Um, today, here's where we're at. Uh, if you were with us last week, we started just a two-week little series called Build. Um, we're looking at 2019 for us as, as the year to build. As we mentioned last week, I know that a lot of people kind of have a word for the year, balance, love, whatever it might be. For us, it's build. Uh, I'd pray that you would kind of make that your word as well for just the church and just for this community here. And the idea behind it is uh, Jesus saying, on this rock, I will build my church. And so we get to join him in that process. And so that is our hope as we look at 2019, the year to build. Uh, if you weren't here last week, let me just review really quick. Last week, we talked about building our community, who we are, who we are. So the idea is this. Before we talk about today what we want to do, we want to talk about who we are. Who we are matters way more than what we do. So we want to make sure we talk about building up our faith. Colossians 2.6 says, be built up in Christ, established in him. And so we just want to be building into our community. Who, would, who do we want to be? And so that was kind of our focus last week. And here in week two, we're going to talk about building the kingdom, building the kingdom, what we want to do. And even at the end of service, it's going to be a little different. We do want to talk about 2019, some things we want to focus on, some things we want to do. And so we want to talk about building the kingdom. And we want to look at Matthew chapter 16 because Jesus talks about how he's building the church and really how we get to join him in that. And so our hope today is kind of do two things. We're going to look at two texts, a little different, but Matthew 16, what Jesus says about building, and then 1 Corinthians 3, what Paul says about building. Paul talks about who we are again. He gives us two analogies of here's who you are, and in light of who you are, here's how to build or sow or plant or build on the foundation. So we'll look at that more in depth. So let's just read this. Again, this week is build the kingdom, what we want to do. So let's look at Matthew chapter 16. We're going to read verse 13 through 18. Matthew 16, read with me in verse 13 through 18. It says, 
When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Finally got one right. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's pray, and we'll look at this more in depth. Father, we just thank you um, that again, on another Sunday morning, we can celebrate you, we can look to your son. God, we ask that we would not just be going through the motions of a, of a church, but that, Jesus, we really want to build the kingdom, build on you, Jesus, that you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And, God, we have good news. We have a message that the world needs to hear. And, God, I just ask for myself and everyone in this place that you would fill us with your spirit. Let us, be, let us just be carriers of this message. God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, and I, I know that for many of us, maybe there's just different perspectives or just tired. But God, I ask that you just give us a vision for your church, that we'd follow your vision, Jesus, that we'd look to you. We just pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. You know, one of the things I love about traveling, besides eating food, because let's be honest, that's why we travel. We just travel to eat food in new places we've never been before. But one of the things I love about uh, traveling is honestly just exploring and looking at just architecture and design and the creativity of different builders and time periods. I think like m myself, like many of you, probably have a bent towards like a European maybe look or architecture. Uh, my wife and I got to do like our dream trip like six years ago, like a backpack through Europe type of trip. And probably one of the, the coolest places we've ever seen, one of the most beautiful churches I've ever seen is called, it's the Duomo in Italy. Uh, it's in Florence, Italy. We went there, and I'll throw up some pictures for you, and you look at the colors, you look at the design, this giant church right in front of us, this giant baptismal. I mean, it's gorgeous, and you think, man, someone thought of this. Someone created this. Someone had this idea in their mind and got it out so people could see it and enjoy it. I mean, and it's honestly just breathtaking. It just takes you back to a different time. I think the, one of the, our other favorite places we got to see or designs we got to see is we went to Edinburgh, Scotland, and uh, when you go there, you see this castle kind of in the center of the city, and it feels like you're just kind of stepping back in time when you enter the city. It's like right in the heart of the city, and you go there, you're walking in through like the dungeons, and you're walking through different things. It just kind of feels like you're in a different time period again, but I'd say my favorite place we ever got to visit or see was this place in France called Mont Saint-Michel. Now, Mont Saint-Michel, when you see it, it's literally like a Lord of the Rings place. It looks unreal. We're, we're miles away. We didn't see it, and we're like in this bus with all these people, and as we're approaching this giant city, everyone sees this in the distance, and you just hear this giant gasp. I've never experienced it. Everyone's like, <gasps> like, it just looks unreal. And I was like, where's Frodo? I was like so excited to meet him. I mean, it's just one of those places you go, is this really on earth? Like, is this really here? And when you look at the, the architecture or design or, or beauty around the world, some of you, this isn't good for right now. I know it's like wanderlust. It's not good. We can put it down. But for some of us, when you see this, you go, wow, this really reflects ultimately the beauty of the architect, what, what he or she had in their heart or mind. And, and you see how it reflects just their, their design, their creativity. And, and here's what we ultimately see is that we are creators and we are designers because why? We're made in the image of God, who's the ultimate creator, who's the ultimate designer, who creates beautiful things, 
who makes the, just the land, the ocean, the animals, the giraffe, the monkey, the platypus. Like, what is that? God is just so creative and so brilliant. I remember in eighth grade, my science teacher, like, it was the first time I, he showed us pictures um, from the Hubble telescope. And I remember he was just, he, like, he was just awesome. Like, he actually got me somehow excited about science, which is good for him, good for that teacher. It was just really hard. But he showed us pictures from the, from the Hubble telescope, and he talked about these different galaxies and nebulas and all these things. And I'll throw up, like, the Antanae galaxy. And he would just say, these are actually, you know, he's talking to us about actual pictures our telescope have captured of different galaxies. I mean, you're looking at these beautiful colors. We can throw up a couple different nebulas. And he's, he's showing you these, these different star explosions, black hole. He's just showing you these things, and it was just so fascinating. One of my favorites is, I think it's called the Cartwheel Galaxy. Uh, if you can throw that up, it looks like just a jellyfish in heaven. It's awesome. Uh, but you see these colors, and you see the brilliance of it. And you look at how God, the Bible tells us, just spoke these things into existence. How God just said, let there be light, and there's light. How God just speaks and there's just creativity and beauty and design. And ultimately, it's reflecting the beauty and the design and creator of our God. And here's what I love. Our God who creates land, animals, oceans, platypus, galaxies, our God who creates all of this, also designed and built and architected, I don't know how to say that, the church. Like, I want you to think about this. Our, our God, who's a, who's a beautiful artist, designed the church and said, this is good. Now, this is interesting to me, because let's be honest, the church doesn't always feel like artwork. It just kind of feels like dysfunction. You kind of go to the church, and you're like, this is a mess. And you're like, yes, welcome. Welcome to our mess. We're so glad you're part of it. And I, and I know that sometimes you look at the church, and we can look at the church and go, man, this is, this, what is this? What is this, this group of people coming together? And yet Jesus designed this and built it this way. And, and there's something we do got to talk through, because, I mean, I will be the first to admit, yes, the church has done some pretty terrible things throughout history. You know, pastors, leaders have done some pretty terrible things. People in the body have come around and gossip or caused issues or whatever it might be, and we've done things of experience in the church all over the globe, and it's, and it's caused harm. I mean, you look at different church history time periods, and, it, and it's shameful, some of the things the church has done. And yet, the church has also done some of the most beautiful things. I mean, more orphanages, more hospitals, more colleges, more universities, more foster care systems, more families being reconciled, more people who've been on the verge of just being suicidal, coming, finding hope and life and meaning, people who've been addicts and can never overcome sin and addiction have just found healing in Jesus Christ. See, the church might have its problems, but it's so beautiful. I love the church. Jesus loves the church. This is something we should talk about because I get, I get it. I get that it's messy, but it's so beautiful what Jesus can design and put together. And it's so beautiful. Jesus can be the center of the church and bring life and healing and beauty to it. And that is our hope, that Jesus would be the center of the church, that he'd be the one who brings life and healing to this, that we'd be, we'd be the first ones who say, yes, we're broken, yes, we're messy. Like, there is no perfect church, obviously. It's been said, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it, and I so agree. There's a side of this, like, yes, it's messy, but Jesus designs this into a beautiful body. You see, I, I've fallen into the trap in the past, you know, maybe you have to where you speak poorly of the church or maybe another church. And, and I think what happens is we forget that Jesus says, this is my bride. This is my bride who I love. You know, I think about if you just speak poorly of my bride, might change some things, might change your relationship here, right? Like this is Jesus' bride. And so how do, we, how do we love and embrace the church? What did Jesus say about the church? How does he design it? What does he want it to look like? And so here's what's interesting to me. In Matthew 16, it's the first time the word church is mentioned in the New Testament. First time. 
That's important. So I just want to read, reread this, Matthew chapter 16. And I want you to see the context of this. Matthew 16, verse 13. Let's just kind of get the context because we're see- being introduced to the idea of the church for the first time. Verse 13. Again, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that on, that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. All right. This is so important to understand the context. Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi. Uh, it's a city kind of in the northern part of, of Israel. Uh, when you go there, you, there's still remnants of just different pagan worship. So in Caesarea Philippi, they used to worship Baal. They used to worship this, this god named Pan. He was like the, the god of nature or shepherding or flocks. And you can actually, like if you go to Caesarea Philippi, which we are in a year, but if you go there, you can actually see the carvings in the wall to the god of Pan and to these different gods. Uh, Herod the Great built a, a giant temple for Caesar Augustus there. So people could come and worship Caesar Augustus. So here's Jesus in a very polytheistic area where there's a lot of gods being worshipped. And he's being very intentional. He goes, look at all these gods. Who do you guys say that I am? Who do men say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Like maybe one of the prophets. Like you're obviously important. He said, but, but who do you say that I am? Peter's like, you're more than that. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, bingo. Now, one author said it this way. Barclay said, uh, let me just read it to you because it's, it's good. Uh, he said this. This means, or here it is, sorry. It is as if Jesus deliberately set himself against the background of the world's religions in all their history and splendor and demanded to be compared to them and to have the verdict given in his favor. It's almost like, look around you. Look at these different gods. Look at these different people being worshipped or gods being worshipped. Who do you say that I am? Now, now here's what I want to focus on. When Jesus said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, he goes, you're right. And on this rock, I will build my church. And it's the first time we see the word church mentioned. So if you want, you can circle that word church. Uh, it's whenever you see a word being introduced for the first time, it is important. So this word for us is just ecclesia. Maybe you've heard of that. People talk about our ecclesiology, like the study of the church, ecclesia, ecclesiology. Um, the idea of this church, whenever again, it's called the principle of first mentioned. If you see something being mentioned the first time, we should kind of pay attention a little bit more. Because a lot of times something's being introduced to us, a bigger concept is being introduced to us, and we want to focus on that. For example, the first time we see the word love mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis 20. It's talking about Abraham's love for his son Isaac. The first time you see love being mentioned is about a father's love for his son. And like love is kind of designed, and you kind of see the start of it in that way, about a father's love for his children. And there's a lot we learn about love through the first time the word love is mentioned. There's a lot we learn about church the first time the word church is mentioned. So this idea of church, again, if you circle that, uh, this word church is used 114 times in the New Testament. 90 times it's used speaking of a local church, of a small gathering of people that are really here to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And so you kind of see it used a lot of times of a local church that people are part of a local church. That's a good thing. And then again, about 30 sometimes, I think it's used about just the idea of a, of a larger capital C church, the church. And the idea of the church and this idea of Jesus, Jesus saying, I will build my church. The idea ecclesia just simply means this, a called out assembly, a called out group. So the idea of a church, like what, is the, what does the church even mean? It really means a called out group of people. Called out of what? He's saying you're called out of the world into relationship with the Father. You're called out 
of your old life, the old junk, all that stuff into deep meaning, relationship, fellowship with God and one another. You're called out of something and into something else. And this is beautiful because regardless of your age, your race, your gender, your ethnicity, your, ethnicity, your, your background, regardless of all of those things, we have something so in common and that is Jesus Christ. That Jesus is what unites us and brings us together. I mean, the whole New Testament is saying walls have been torn down. Jews and Gentiles can eat a meal together. The barbarians and Jews can eat a meal together. That we can come together, we have so much. We might have a lot of differences, but we have way more in common through Jesus Christ. See, the church is beautiful. Jesus said, I'm making something newer. I will build my church on the agreement and foundation of who you say that I am, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so, like, let's look, put this phrase again. On this rock, I will build my church. Okay, notice what he says. I will build my church. It's Jesus' church. Let's just start there. This is not my church. This is not our church. This is Jesus' church. We are the bride of Christ. This is his. You are his. I'm so thankful that it's his, that he's responsible that he's the one who's in charge, that Jesus is the chief shepherd. Yes, we talked about the capital C church and the lower C church, the idea that Jesus is the chief shepherd and he has all these under shepherds, but this is his church. He says, I will build my church. And even before that, what does he say? He says, I will build. That is very refreshing to me. Jesus says, I will build. Not that I'm building, not that you're building, but Jesus is building the church. You know what I love is that Jesus builds a church and we get to join him. I was at the grocery store with my son yesterday, and I'm holding the groceries. He's like, Dad, let me hold it. So I give him one of the bags, and he just like drops to the ground. And he's like, oh, this is heavy. And we're like in the road. So I'm like, okay. So I pick it up, but he has like one finger on it. And he's like, I'm doing it. I'm like, yeah, you're doing it. He's not doing it, right? <laughs> the idea for us, like Jesus building the church, we're like, I'm doing it. He's like, yeah, sure you are. Jesus builds the church. And again, that's been our prayer from day one. Our prayer from day one is, Jesus, you build this church. We, we don't want to get caught up and get exhausted trying to build this church. You build the church. Unless the Lord builds the house, what? He who labors, labors in vain. We don't want to try to do this. Now, yes, we're going to pray. We're going to seek him. We're going to use the spiritual dis- disciplines. We're going to seek to fast and pray over city and study God's word and be in community and have accountability and, you know, even challenge when it needs to be and even discipline when it needs to be. We're going to do those things, but it's Jesus who builds the church. You know, the, the idea that we're going to read in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul's like, I planted Apollos water. God gave the increase. He builds the church. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. And then the next phrase is beautiful. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying the church is an unstoppable force. (laughs) Think about that. The gates of hell. If hell were to flood the gates of the church, it cannot stop the church. Why? Because Jesus is behind the church. This is an unstoppable force. I had one of our leaders say to us this week, he goes, man, I know Jesus said the gates of hell uh, will not prevail, but man, do they work hard. (laughs) Like, man, is it exhausting. But man, do they try so hard. And there is that reality where it it is sometimes exhausting. It is difficult. But it's not like if I pass away or you, we pass away or something happens to the church, it's not like this will end. The church is just only gonna continue to grow and spread. And so Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. There's two verses I want you to like take note of or write this down. I think it's important. Uh, the first verse is this. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Paul writes, now you, you are Christ's body. You are Christ's body and individual members of it. Colossians 1 says, he is also head of the body of the church. You are the body. We're many individuals that make up this body, and Jesus is the head of the body. Jesus is in control of it. Now, here's why this is important. A lot of times, church, and I think this is where, we, where things get into trouble sometimes. Sometimes a church can be viewed not as a body, but maybe it's one as a business. I think it can be viewed as a business or it can be viewed as a building. 
And I want you to think about those two things. It can be a building or a business. So when it comes to a building, if the church is just a building, then we are consumers. See, the, the problem, I think, when we talk about the church, like I, I, I fall into this trap. You know, we ask, like, how was church? How was church today? Church was good. Church was bad. Church was okay. It's, it is weird if you think about it. It's like, how are you? I don't like me. Church was bad. <laughs> I am bad. Like, if you think of it, like, no, no, it's not a building. We are that. It's not just something we go to. Like, yes, we find a place where we meet and gather together under the name of Jesus, of course, but it is so much more than a building. And I think that we could ask different questions, not like, how is church? But like, man, what did God reveal to you? Or what did you give to the church? Or like, we could ask different questions, like, how are you a part of the church? What does that look like? How are you growing in the, as a body of Christ? How are you individually? How is the church? I think we can ask maybe different questions sometimes, because a lot's, a com- a lot's communicated in the question. Or if it's just a business, then we're, not, we're not consumers, but we're just competitors. And rather than walking around and praying for other churches in our city, it can become a competition. Both are wrong. It's not about consumers. It's not about competition. It's about a community of faith following Jesus. He's saying it's not a building. It's not a business. It's a body. And for us, we'll say this, and we might, you might hear this, but I really do believe this. We are just a community following Jesus. That is our desire. A community following Jesus, seeking the glory of God, the good of the people, and the renewal of South Florida. Not consumers, not competitors, but a community. A community to just pursue Jesus together. That is our hope. That is our heart. Jesus is on this rock. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not win. Jesus won ultimately. And so we're talking about building the church. Okay, so how do we build the church? What does that look like? What does that mean? If you would, turn to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Because in 1 Corinthians 3, I think this is key. Uh, Last week, we talked about who we are, if you remember who we are, and we talked about how uh, we're an athlete, not a spectator. We're a soldier, not a civilian. And we're going to kind of continue this thought of who we are, that Paul's going to give two analogies, and he says, in light of who you are, here's what to do. So he calls us two things. He says, you're a field. (laughs) Okay, that's like a funny one. You're a field, and you're a temple. You're a field, and you're a temple. You're God's field, you're God's temple. And in light of who you are, here's what to do. Plant, sow, water, reap, build, maintain. So that's what we're going to look at, okay? So in light of who we are, we're going to talk through what we want to do. Can we do that? Let's read the first one. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. We're going to talk about how we're God's field. We're God's field. Look at verse 6. He says this in verse 6. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. We'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's fields. We're God's fields. For me, just this morning, I feel like it'd be simple. I'm going to give three ideas of being God's field, three components to this. All right, God's field. Here's the first component. Uh, We're planting and we're sowing. We're planting and we're sowing. I really don't know much about farming. Maybe some of you do. Um, I know that my father-in-law farms, and I've learned from him. That's about it. So not, not, nothing really. All right, but we're not really familiar with this term, but the idea of farming, the idea that carries for us that we're going to plant and that we're going to sow. We're going to plant and we're going to sow. You know, the first thing I think that comes to mind when you think about someone farming is we're going to till the soil. Uh, we're going to seek to, like, kind of crumble up some crusty old dirt. We're going to seek to remove weeds and maybe parasites and things of that nature. I want you to think really quick in your life. God wants to do an incredible work. God wants there to be an incredible harvest. But first, maybe there's some things he needs to remove. 
Maybe there's some weeds. Maybe there's some parasites. Maybe there's some things that like, need to be removed from your life personally. God's like, I want to till the soil first. I w- and it's going to actually hurt maybe a little bit. It's going to be difficult. But ultimately, we've got to keep in mind that God is doing something beautiful. We're like Sometimes we just want to plant, or we just want to water, we just want to reap. But God's like, first, let me just kind of till the ground. You know, before, remember John the Baptist goes, I must decrease. He must increase, I must decrease. Maybe first there's some de- decreasing in a sense that needs to happen. When you, when you talk about planting and sowing, and I want you guys to follow me on this, what are we planting and sowing? We're planting and sowing seeds. What is the seed? Over and over again, the Bible's really clear when it talks about this idea of the seed being the word of God. Like in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, talking about the parable of the sower, he says simply, flat out, the seed is the word of God. Over and over again, you can read this in First Peter, the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. When the Bible talks about seeds, it talks about the word. What does a seed do? It goes into the ground, and in a sense, it dies to produce life. Here's what happens. God's word comes into our life, and it hurts. It's painful. We have to die so often for there to be life. There has to be death to self so we can be alive to Christ, as Paul would put it. Die to yourself so you can be alive to Christ. And the seed comes in, in a sense, it dies and produces life. And Paul is saying that's what we're doing. We're planting, we're sowing. Think about really quick, because I always thought this was interesting. If you've ever heard the parable of the sower, basically it goes like this. There's a, there's a, one second, buddy. Basically it goes like this. There goes a farmer who's going out into the field, and he's sowing seeds. All right? And as he throws the seeds, some fall by the wayside and the birds take it. Some fell on the rocks. If you guys remember where there's really no good soil. And then some fall amongst the thorns. And when it falls amongst the thorns, it grows a little bit, but the thorns in that life kind of chokes it out. And then he says some falls on good soil. And the seeds that fall on the good soil, it produces life. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And here's the idea. I don't know if you've ever listened to that parable, read that parable, and it's so weird to me because I think that it's like, is the farmer blind, right? Like he's walking around like, oh, there's the wayside seed. There's some rocks. I'm going to throw some seed on the rocks. Hey, look, there's some thorns. I'm going, okay, he's just throwing seeds. And I think sometimes we forget, like, we're not necessarily here to judge if this is good soil or not. We're here to say, I'm just going to throw seeds out and see what God does. So there's by the wayside, there's some rock. I'm here to sow the seed. I'm here to put the word of God out there and just see what God does in that. And I think that is so key, that we need to be sowing seeds. And with sowing and with planting, of course, there's watering. Of course, the idea, the, the Bible even talked about the water of the word. I mean, to me, it's all about the word. The word goes in. We need more of the word for that maintenance and that ongoingness before there could ever be fruit in life. So we see sowing and planting. And let me point out one more thing really quick. One more thing I think we forget is waiting. Can we talk about waiting? Because we're not always, um, we, we're not farmers probably here. Like we live in a, the suburbs. Maybe you would consider yourself a farmer. I don't think we fully get the process of planting and sowing and watering and then just waiting. I think waiting is difficult for us. We're an instant gratification culture. Again, I don't know if we really get the, the process behind farming. Um, maybe some of you, I don't know if anyone here knows where their food comes from. Think about that. Like, where does your food come from? Some of you know, you're like, it comes from Vermont, and they name the vegetables, and I have a list of the names. Like, okay, chill. Um, some of you might know, but most of us don't, all right? And you think about the idea of farming, there's a lot of waiting to it. And it, let me just say this. When you plant, when you sow, when you water, if you think it takes a while to wait for the, the harvest, I want you to think about how long it takes for there to be spiritual life. I mean, it's almost nothing compared to how long you wait sometimes to plant, to sow, into people's lives, and you're kind of just waiting for there to be some fruit. And it takes a while. And I think we need to be patient. 
And there's something beautiful about this. There's something beautiful about waiting and investing. It's weird to me, because people might not always get this, but for some people, when you see a little bit of growth, it's like, oh my gosh, the person's alive, right? And you're like so excited. Like you finally see this person begin to forgive. You finally see this person begin to love, and you go, oh, it's happening. People are like, that's not a big deal. Like, no, it's a big deal. You know, so my, my wife, who I've talked about, is a really great cereal plant murderer. Um, sorry to bring this up again. But she's made one time, or she's planted a tomato bush. And I remember she had, like, these little cherry tomatoes. And she ate one. She goes, this is the best tomato in the world. Try one. I'm like, yeah, it's a tomato. She's like, how dare you? This is the best tomato in the world. And what is she tasting? You know what she's tasting? <laughs> she's tasting the blood, the sweat, the tears, the time. You know what I mean? She's tasting all the work she put into it. I'm just tasting tomato. I don't think sometimes people will always grasp, maybe even for leaders, you're going, oh my gosh, <coughs> there's growth. And you're tasting it going, this is good. People are like, ah, it's a tomato. Like, no, no, this is a big deal. <laughs> it's alive. God is doing something. You see, I, I think that a lot of us want to harvest, but not all of us want to plant and sow. Not all of us want to water all the time. You know, a guy named John Tyson said it this way. I thought it was so profound. He says, listen, everybody loves to show up when it's on fire, but nobody wants to gather the wood. <laughs> and it's so true. Everybody loves to show up when, when there's winning. But what about times when it's alone with three people in prayer? When it's doing that hospital visit? When it's being with that person again? When what, what about that, those moments? Everybody wants to show up and it's like, yes, this is alive, God's doing something. But what about just the people who gather the wood for that fire? What about those who just kind of gather the kindle? You know, when you think about revival, sometimes you're like, how do we get that? And there's, I don't really know if there's a formula. But I do think that we need to start gathering the wood and gathering the kindle and like praying and like, God, light it. Just you light it, God. Let's just get things in order so it can happen. A guy named Tim Keller spoke about revival. It's a longer quote, but listen to this quote. You guys know it's been like a couple weeks since I have quoted him, so I'm starting to like fidget. Um, Tim Keller says this, no one can force a major revival to happen by pushing the right buttons. God is sovereign because he's a God of grace. You can't merit a revival any more than you can merit your own salvation. Yet I have seen over the years, that when we earnestly seek God for his own sake, not for ministry success, and seek to be many cases of personal revival ourselves, positive spiritual dynamics begin to work in the church around us. I believe God has many more revivals up his sleeve before the final. He says, ultimate revival, the ultimate spring after the winter, when even the trees of the wood will sing for joy, quoting from Psalm 96. He goes, we can't really, we can't really merit it, we can't really do anything ourselves to go, come on, God, look at it, like, please. But he's like, there's something about having your own personal mini revival. Saying, Jesus, doesn't matter if anyone else, I'm going to follow you with everything I got. There's something about gathering the wood, gathering the kindle, and just praying, saying, God, light it. Do what it is you want to do. Only you can do this, God. You see, I'll say, when it comes to developing leaders, it's often slow and unappealing and not that exciting. <laughs> But when you begin to see the fruit of it, you go, yes. There's something about just planting, sowing, watering, and just waiting. And waiting on the Lord. And enjoying the Lord in the process. And it's not about the success of it. It's just about simply enjoying him in the process. And waiting on him in the process. And, and that's what I want to say for us. Like, we need to, I think, wait a little bit. We need to be okay. That results take a while in that sense in our own lives privately. Can I say this? When you began to follow Jesus Christ, like, yes, can I... God says that you're positioned in Christ. When God now looks at you, he views you as sinless and forgiven because your sins have been transferred over to Jesus and Jesus' righteousness was transferred over to you. And so positionally, God looks at you as sinless, but practically, you and I are still filthy sinners. 
And there's this idea of salvation that we're just continuing to grow in the grace of God, and there's almost this progressive sanctification thing happening where you go, yes, positionally I'm justified, practically I'm still a sinner who still needs God's grace. Not I need it back then, but I need it today. And God's making you more and more like Christ, and it's growing, and it takes time, but there is something I need to say. There should eventually be fruit. There should eventually be some life. You know, Micah's three years old, my son, and it's, I love, he's starting to talk more, and he's super fun, but he's still a three-year-old, you know? He's still like, what's the bed? And you're like, all right, it's okay. But he still does his things, and right now it's okay, but when he's 15, it's like, dude, come on, please stop, (laughs) right? That's not going to be acceptable. And I I think for Christians, it's like, oh, it's a baby Christian, they're so excited, this is great, they're growing their faith, awesome, oh, they're, they're, okay, a little bit loose with their tongue, but it's okay, they're growing their faith, you know? And so those things are happening. And then, like, you're, like, year 10, you're, like, okay, you're, how do you still have, like, pampers on? Like, come on. Like, there's a side of it where it's, like, let's grow. Let's grow. There should eventually be growth. And so we plant, we sow, we wait. We wait on the Lord. And then eventually, Lord willing, we reap because God gave the increase. And when it comes to reaping, just a verse we'll throw out to you, Galatians 6, verse 9. It says, and let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. Church, I think for us, let's not lose heart. I believe God wants to do something. Let's not lose heart. Well, let's not go, this is hard. Let's not lose heart in the process. I believe, listen, we, there's, I think we saw, saw this on like the Deerfield Mall website next door. They said within five miles, there's about 300,000 people. We're reaching like 0.01. Like we, there's a, we can do, there's a lot to do, yes. And I believe God wants to do a work. But let's sow, let, let's plant, let's water, let's wait patiently. And Lord willing, there will be a harvest if we do not lose heart, but do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Paul said it again in this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He said, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. As long as your work in the Lord is, is in the Lord, it's for him, by him, it's not in vain. Always be about this. So Paul says this, you are God's field. What do we need to do? Plant, sow, water, reap. There's this idea that we need to be planting and sowing seeds of God's word into the community, passing it out, getting it out there. Let's be about that. And then he says, you're God's temple. You're God's temple. Look at verse 9. We'll read a little bit. Verse 9. So he says, you're God's field. The end of verse 9 says, you are God's building. Verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. I, I love, only Paul can say that. I will not call myself a wise master builder. Um, he says, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. All right, first thing I want to look at is the foundation. A few components now to God's temple. First thing is the foundation. He says in verse 11 again, no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation. I hope you hear from day one. Like, I hope that you hear from us in our church, we want to focus on Jesus, talk about Jesus, look to Jesus. Our first, for first, like, I guess you could say, value as a church is we just elevate Jesus. We want to constantly go to Jesus. You know, we want to f- really preach the gospel of grace according to Jesus. We, we want to do this thing where um, everything we do, every scripture we talk about, as Jesus said, when you read the Bible, in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which speak of me. John 5, 39, right? Everything's about Jesus. He goes, the whole Bible is about Jesus. The foundation for us is Jesus. And we don't want to get sidetracked with secondary things. We want to always get back to Jesus. And I hope you hear that. I think that's why cults attack the person of Jesus and Mormons say Jesus is the half-brother of Satan or Jehovah's Witness say he's Michael, he's, he's Michael the archangel, he's a created being. We're saying, no, 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 Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, God in the flesh, God made, God made flesh, fully God, fully man. 
who took on the sin of the world, who died on the cross in our place, who shed his blood so we could have forgiveness of sins, who rose on the third day, that people saw Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and they followed him, and they knew him, they touched him, and they ate with him, and then Jesus ascended into heaven. And to this day, this message is still being told that Jesus died and rose again, and we're following that Jesus, and the foundation is Jesus. That's why our first year as a church plant, we spent the whole year in Mark, because we just want to focus on Jesus, talk about Jesus. It's not like we graduate from that. Remember how we said the gospel is not the diving board, it's the whole pool? The gospel is not A through Z, it's A to Z. It's all of it. We want to constantly get back to Jesus. That is our hope here. Our hope here is that you would meet Jesus. If you don't know Jesus yet, our hope is that you'd meet Jesus. That you'd taste and see that he's good. The foundation that the church is built upon is who? Jesus, right? Jesus said what? On this rock I will build my church. He's not talking about Peter being that rock. He he called Peter like a little stone. (laughs) He goes, on the rock, on the truth that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. On this truth, truth, the church will be built. On the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, that is what we're built on. And then the second thought with that is not just the foundation, but how do we build on the foundation? So building on the foundation, building on the foundation. Look at verse 10, the end of verse 10. Would you read that verse again? At the end of verse 10, he simply says it this way, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. So we're going to build on the foundation of Jesus, but we need to take heed, take careful thought and consideration to how we build on the foundation of Jesus. This for us is that theme you could say of build. All of us are building something. What are you building? Can we just get that? All of you, myself included, we're all building something. All of us even are building on the foundation of Christ, but what are we building with? Verse 11 is huge. Look at verse 12. We're going to read verse 12 through 15 now. He says, If anyone builds on this, founda- on this foundation <laughs> with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it, re- it, will, build- it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. What is he saying? He says everyone builds on the foundation of Jesus. It's either gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, straw, stubble, nothing. Here's the the idea, because some of you are like, what is that? Gold, silver, precious stones you have to dig for. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes work. Wood, hay, and stubble, you can just like gather it off the ground. Some of us just kind of gather things. We're like, oh, let's just build. Like, we give Jesus secondary things. We kind of do it with like a, maybe a half heart. And he goes, no, no, no. Build on, it's going to take digging. It's going to take time and energy and money and effort. Build with gold, silver, precious stones. Build on Jesus well. Our hope is to take verse 10 serious. Take heed how we build. How do we build, on the, how do we as a church community, a local church community, how do we individually, how do we build on the foundation of Jesus? And I think this is so, this is so counter to everything we know. Because we're, we're told to just, you know, think through retirement, think through the next house, think through the next thing we want to buy, think through, and we're told to consider these things when in reality it's like, well, is that all I'm building for? Am I building for something else? Am I building for something that has eternal weight to it? You know, there's a cheesy old Christian story that I read that I have to share. I thought it was so good. Uh, a husband's talking to his wife, and he's about to pass away. Very wealthy man. He's about to die, about to pass away. And he goes, honey, I want you to bury me in my nicest suit, and I want you to bury me with all the gold we have. Put it in my pocket. Sew it in. She's like, you can't take it with you. He's like, we'll see. So the wealthy man passes away, he dies, he gets to heaven, he fills his pockets, he goes, oh my gosh, it's filled with gold. It's here. He gets to the gate, he sees Peter, and he goes, he goes Peter, look what I got. Peter's like, why'd you bring asphalt up here? What are you doing? Like, that's so stupid. I thought that was great, sorry. I thought I had to share that. But the point is, like, the things we fight for, the things we care about, what is that in heaven? Like, honestly, 
The things we spend money and time and energy on, what, what is that really worth? He's saying build on things that matter. We have one life which will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. I think that's something that we gotta consider. We have one life, it's soon gonna be passed, but what will last, when it's tested by fire, wood, hay, and stubble, it's gone. Gold, silver, precious stone, just purified. He's like, build on the foundation of Jesus' well. One author said it this way. I thought it was so good I had to just read it. He said, our presence in the kingdom of God is guaranteed by the promises of God, but our position in the kingdom of God will be earned or lost by the quality of service we render here and now. We're, we're going to heaven because of what Jesus Christ has done. This text, 1 Corinthians 3, is actually talking about judgment for Christians. We compare this to 2 Corinthians 5.10, referring to this. The idea is we call this the Bema Seat Judgment, not where we're judged for our sins. Our sins have been judged on Jesus. I'm not going to be judged for my sins because my sins have already been placed and judged on Jesus. But there is, in a sense, like we talked about last week, how did you run this race? How did you build on the foundation? Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, how did you build on it? Jesus talks about how there's a reward for those who build on it well. Revelation 22, verse 12, Jesus said it this way. He says, and behold, I am coming quickly, and listen, my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. We're not talking about salvation. That's been paid for by Jesus Christ. But he's talking about this reward, this gold, so th this idea that we talked about even last week, the different crowns we went through. This idea that what are we building with? How are we building on it? So he talks about building on the foundation well with what matters. Giving the Lord our first, giving the Lord our best, not secondary things. And then verse 16 through 17, we're just talking about like maintaining this, maintaining the building. Verse 16, and we'll close with this. He says, do you not know, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Do we get that? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let me just explain this really quick. First of all, he says, don't you know that you're God's temple? Now, there's two words in the Greek for temple that we see in the New Testament. There's eron, and there's like, uh, how do you say it? The next one, naos. All right, here's the idea. Paul is saying, this is why it's important, not that you're just the temple, the eron, that's like the whole temple. He actually used the word naos saying, you are the holy of holies temple. I want you to think through that. The holy of holies is where God's present dwelt. That's where the glory, the kabod, the glory of God was behind that thick veil, and only one man one day a year could really experience the presence of God. And he's actually saying, you are the holy of holies. Your body is the dwelling place of God himself. I still don't know if we get this, Christians. I don't know if I get this. I don't know if I fully grasp the idea. I know that God lives and dwells in me. But the Bible uses this term, it's such an extreme, you are the, the temple, the, you're actually the holy of holies to God, that God lives and dwells in you. And he's like, take care of the temple. Don't defile it. The word that's actually used, destroyed, is like, don't corrupt it or you will be corrupted. That is the idea. Don't destroy the temple. Don't corrupt the temple because in the process, you're only going to corrupt and destroy yourself. Maintain it. Build on it well. God's spirit lives and dwells in you. H here's the thing for us I want to talk about. W why the church? What does the church matter? Listen, we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world. We get to be, the, the, in a sense, the tangible presence of God to the world. That as Ma Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill which cannot be hidden that we get to be the light of God to the world. See, I love the church because Jesus loves the church. We want to build the kingdom because Jesus is building it. Let's be that little three-year-old with one finger going, let me be a part. I want to help. I want to be part of this. So here's what we're going to just talk through briefly. 
and this is not necessarily exhaustive, and I know that's not everything, and I know that the Lord can change things, but just like last week we talked about building our community and some things we want to focus on in-house, here's some things we want to focus on really more externally. Serving here, serving outside, we want to talk about that a little bit. All right, so when it comes to 2019, we're going to change the years a little bit. Here's some things we've been praying over as a church. Here's some things we want to focus on, some things we want to look at. If we can put up this slide, um, first thing we just want to talk about for us as a church is we want to get to the recovery community. Uh, God has really placed some people in here who have a heart for the recovery community, who come out of the recovery community, those who deal with different addictions, whether it's alcohol, drugs, sex, different addictions. We want to take place in that. We believe that Jesus loves to go to the broken. And so our hope is to want to be, again, like that extension to them. So we're seeking this relationship right now with Florida House. We're hopefully going to have Bible studies happening there this year, bringing them over to our church. We're praying through some of that. We're going to try to create an area for them where they, can, where they can smoke outside and have their own little spot. We're going to ask that we just love them and embrace them. They don't look at them like, why are you smoking here on a Sunday morning? We just go, hey, welcome. Let me give you a hug. All right, like we want to just embrace that. We hope that we can just, you know, I, I read this story one time of a pastor who he was done preaching after service up in Brooklyn. And he was done. And this homeless man came up to him and, and just gave him a hug. And he goes, and he, and he was, he goes in this book, he's writing, he goes, it was, I can't even describe to you the smells and the sensation of that hug. And he goes, it's like urine, feces, awful smell. And then he, he's like, I was disgusted. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, this is what Jesus smells like. And love him and embrace him. And that's what our hope. Our hope is that we can have a heart for the recovery community and not like look down on it, but just go, yes, this is what Jesus smells like. When we saw him naked, lonely, hungry, we saw him in need. So we want to actually take some time and focus on this for us. Uh, one of the things too we're going to talk about is youth. So we just created like a middle school space. We have like five middle schoolers. It's great. Um, but we just created middle school. We do want to invest in them. We do want to provide different outreaches or different events for them. Just wait for them to connect, invite their friends. You know, we, we hope there can be that safe place for them, but we want to invest in youth. Next thing is um, we're going to do something called Love Deerfield. And this is really, I'm really excited about this. I've mentioned this before, but in March, March 22nd to the 24th, and we can put the graphic up, we're doing a local missions trip. So West Pines Community Church, Roby, Pastor Roby Barnes, his church is joining our church to have like a three-day sort of, or really one day, but three days of just loving and serving Deerfield. So on Friday night, we're going to meet the team, get to know each other, hang out, maybe do something at the beach. On Saturday, we're going to have like car washes, make gift baskets for all the teachers and the admin at the school. Um, we're going to pack some bags for Haiti. We're going to be doing some outreach here locally. Go to some neighborhoods, invite them out to Easter service. So we're having like a missions trip weekend. All right, and we're gonna have a couple meals. We're gonna have shirts. We're gonna provide some stuff. So this actually, we're treating this like a mission trip where you sign up. We're cost twenty five dollars per adult, twenty dollars per kid. But this is like a local in house mission trip with another church. I'm so excited about this. The fact that another local church says, "Can we love and serve your city with you?" And I'm like, "Yes." We don't have again like an outreach department like I mentioned. Um, we get to do this though with e each other. So I'm so excited about Love Deerfield, and we'll have some more information about that soon, and you can sign up for that hopefully by the end of this week. Uh, next thing I want you just to be aware of is we're doing something called Serve Sundays. So last week I mentioned Connect Sundays. Like every other month for those who are new to the church, just kind of meet some people, meet, meet some people who serve and hear more about the church. We're going to rotate that with Serve Sundays. Serve Sundays, we're going to hear about a ministry partner. We partner with different ministries, as you see below, with Four Kids, with Firewall, with Hope South Florida. We want to be intentional with foster care, whether it's invest, investing financially or giving parents nights out, or we want to try to be intentional with this. So I'm going to ask like, that you, we be part. Same thing with Firewall. Actually, several of you work at Firewall. It's where you, stu you uh, tutor students, maybe with lower you know, grades, 
And so we have Christians tutoring at these public schools, which is awesome. We want to encourage that more. Hope South Florida deals with homelessness and homeless families. And we want to invest in them and be part of that. So these are like three things we're just trying to focus on. And we're going to have a serve Sunday highlighting them or maybe a need in house when it comes to serving. We're going to rotate these every month. Uh, next, just want you to be aware of is like city opportunities. Whether that's a 4th of July or parade or fall festival, we want anything the city is doing, we just want to get on board with. We want to love and serve the city well. We want to be a blessing to them. We want them to hear the church's name and go like, they are, they are Jesus' hand and feet to us. We would just love to serve our city well. Uh, also, we're looking at mon- monthly mom meetups. That <laughs> um, my wife's going to help start. Yeah, you guys know why. So we're going to do that. Um, we'd love for you guys, for just moms, to meet up once in a while at the park. And so we're going to try to collect names and info for that. And, and then Haiti. You guys know we're going to Haiti the end of March. And I think about 20 people from our church are going to Haiti. We're partnering with Lifesong and Avenue Church and get a mission trip there. And so um, we do want to think long term and not just short term. We're very thankful for what's happening there through Lifesong. Here's the thing. We want to build a kingdom. And we know there's many avenues. And it might not be up here. That's okay. But we want to be a part of this. We, we're so dedicated to building the kingdom. We're having another baby. We're like, yes, let's just add another one. That's our hope. Uh, but we want to just continue to build the kingdom. That is our hope. And here's something, too, just want to end with, because in a second, just like last week, if you were here, we had our group leaders come up forward and prayed over them. We're going to have people who are just currently serving in a, in a minute stand up. We just want to pray over them. They've served the last year. And even moving into next year, we just want to pray for them and over them in just a second. But there are some in-house needs we have when it comes to serving here. And so we do want to talk through those. So I'm going to get off the stage really quick and uh, give the microphone to my wife. But um, I'm going to have her come and share some needs. And please don't miss this because this is some real needs and real prayer requests we've had for a while now. And we have specific numbers to walk through with you guys. So you have to give it up for my wife more than me. So can you give it up for Kimber? It'd be great. Here you go. Okay. He didn't want to have to talk through all the numbers and all that, so he was like, I'll make my wife do that, so thank you. (laughs) But we don't want to overwhelm you with numbers, but we are going to throw some numbers up on the screen that we've really been praying through because we want to continue to grow our teams and expand them and be able to do more with them and also give them a break as well. Um, They are literally my heroes. When I think back over this last year, like it's remarkable that there are people that get here at 8 a.m., and unload a truck, people that wake up even earlier and pick up our truck and drive it here and unload it and put signs out on the road. And they come here and they set up pipe and drape and kids ministry and brew coffee so that when we all walk in, we can come back and have a warm cup of coffee. And so truly our team is incredible and I'm really excited that we're gonna get to pray over them in a minute, Um, but they could use some help. And the more people that sign up to join the team, we get to share that burden. And so the same people don't have to be here every single week at 8 a.m. We can rotate, we can all pitch in and help a little bit. And so we wanted to show you just some of the needs that we have. Um, We have an admin team behind the scenes. Things that go up on our website or things that go up on our social media or things that go up um, to advertise and get the word out there, missions trip stuff. When we do signups and you guys go back there today, hopefully and sign up, somebody has to do something (laughs) with all of those names that go on there. So we have a team and we could use more help there. Um, I mentioned social media too. Um, That's a a way that the Lord has really been using to even bring people here to our church. We've had people that have said, oh, I saw you on social media and came to check you guys out. And so it's 
a really awesome thing, and we could use help on that team too. Um, our worship team, I know that that looks like a crazy number. Um, I think we need 17 more people for worship, but that's because we want people to be able to rotate. We don't want the same people to have to be up there every week. There's so much time and energy that goes into it. They're rehearsing, they're planning, they're preparing. And so for them to be able to come one week and just sit in the audience and worship and not have that same pressure that they had all week to prepare um, would be so awesome and such a blessing for them. Um, our hospitality team, I'll go, I'll go back to eat kids in a second. Um, but I know so many people when, when I hear that they, that's their first time here, one of the number one things that people have said coming here is, oh, I just felt so welcome. Like people smiled at me. People had a friendly face. People took me into church and showed me around. And that just meant so much to me. And so we want more of that. We want people to walk in the doors the minute that they pull in the parking lot. We just want them to feel the love of Jesus. And sometimes it's just a smile. We don't know what people are walking in here with each week. And so sometimes just a friendly face is just the love of Jesus for them. And that's what they needed. And we need more of those. Um, and e-kids and middle. This one's a big one too. There's 14 needs that we have. We have four classrooms. It's crazy because when we started a year ago, we had one. And so a year later, we have four classrooms, um, which is awesome and super needed and necessary. But we need two people in each of those classrooms every week. So that's a lot of people. And if those same two people are in those classrooms every single week, they never get to come in here and worship and hear the word. And so it's it's hard on them. You know, that's one of our areas of ministry that they're like removed and they're over in another space and they don't get that same fellowship here. And so we really need to increase those numbers so that those people can come in here. And we're not talking about, oh gosh, if I commit to kids ministry or I commit to any of these things, now every week I have to do this. No, even if you could pop into kids ministry once a month and just free somebody else up so that they could come in here and worship and hear God's word. That would be such a blessing for them. And our support team, um, we need 20 people there. And this is why that sounds like a lot. Um, but there's a lot of heavy lifting that goes into preparation for our service. We have a security team that we're trying to build out. We have a parking team um, that we would like to build out. We don't have a parking team right now. It would be awesome to have people out there waving and smiling and, and greeting you when you first pull in the driveway and showing you where to park and showing you where to go. That would be awesome. So we would love to establish some of those things. And then lastly, um, our production team. Uh, we have awesome guys back there that run all of our mics and come in here and set up the soundboard. They built that soundboard thing back there. Like they're crazy. Um, and so we need more of those crazy people that can help them. Um, and, and we want to expand that team too. Like how awesome would it be to have different unique talents, people that can do video or do editing or other things that could really help support our support team. So as you can see, we have a lot of areas, a lot of needs. And so we're really hoping that as you see this list, that maybe the Lord is just spurring on your heart and just saying, hey, you know, I could do one of these things once a month. That would be awesome. That'd be such a blessing. We would love that. And so um, in the back, you'll see on your way out, we have some tables set up and we have it organized. We have little signs that say admin or worship or middle, all of those things. And so if the Lord's laying that on your heart, like, hey, I could do that once a month. I'd be interested even in just learning more. Please just put your name on that list, your name, your phone number, your email, and we're gonna be in contact with you this week. So those are our needs. Anything you want to add? I love them. They're good crazy. You know, like there's good crazy. They're good crazy. We realize we have not because we ask not. That is something we find very true. These numbers are not like, let's just make up numbers. We ask our leaders to pray over them and say, like, what do you really need? We're trying to dream big. 
One, again, so you get on the every third week rotation or every second week or every fourth week. That's why there's more numbers. And then also, if we do ever get to the place where we need a second service, we'd love to have that ready versus like scramble when we need it. So these are just things we're praying over, trying to think ahead. We'd ask that you'd pray over this yourself. And, um, and here's the thing, too. By no means, by no means, this is like an obligatory thing. If you're like, oh, I feel guilty, don't. Um, honestly, some of you just, we need to be merry sometimes where you come and just sit at the feet of Jesus and enjoy Jesus. And if that's you, just do that. Come, sit at the feet of Jesus. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Don't feel like there's any obligation to serve in this way. We would just love for you to come and be and be fed the word. Amen? So here's also what we're doing at the very end. We're going to pray in a second. We're passing out these little keychains to remember this year, the idea to build. So we're passing out a little keychain with a hammer on it, and it says 1 Corinthians 3.10, referring to take heed how you build. So we're going to pass these little hammers on the way out. Put down your like, car keys. Wherever you go, remember this is the year to build the kingdom. Jesus is building it. I get to join him. Amen? Let's do this. Let's pray really quick, and I know this is uncomfortable for some of you, and that's too bad, um, but we do want to pray over you guys. Listen, it's our one-year anniversary next week, and a lot of people have been serving for over a year behind the scenes and doing a lot, and one, we just want to thank them and pray that God refreshes them as they refresh others, and so if you serve, currently serve, we just stand up. We're going to pray really quick, and if someone's around you, put your hand on them appropriately, and uh, we're just going to join and pray for them in this time, all right? Why don't you guys extend your hands to those who are around you or near you, and let's just pray over them. Father, we're just so humbled and grateful. God, we know that just for those who are standing right now, they've put a lot of time and sacrifice. God, refresh them as they they have refreshed others. Lord, let them just sense your presence. Let them just enjoy you. Let it not be about doing things. Even as we said last week, who we are matters way more than what we do. And so, Jesus, I ask that you just be with them and comfort them. And and God, I know there's many who serve you, um, and it's maybe not in this technical form, but there are those, obviously, everyone, I hope, in this room just serves you in different capacities, and I so believe that and refresh them, God. Whether their work, their job, just being an evangelist nonstop, going out, being aware of our community's needs and loving others, God, refresh them. We know that they serve as well. It might not be here on Sunday mornings, but they serve just as much, so bless them. Refresh them. God, we ask that um, you would take this and that we can rest in you. That this would not be about us working. We know that your work is light. We come to you with our burdens and we just know, God, you replace it with lightness. That Jesus, you are so good. So Lord, even as we just end today's service, even as we're just seeking help, Lord, just stir those who who you want and those who just need to come and rest, let them come and rest and be. Um, Lord, we thank you just just for your great love for us, that we can come and just sit at your feet week after week and hear from you. So God, bless everyone in this place. Fill them with your spirit in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, listen, next week's our one-year anniversary. Bring a friend, bring a dish. We're gonna go to Sugar Sand Park afterwards. That is it for service. We love you guys. We'll see you in groups. If you wanna sign up for groups, they just started as well. They're in the back. But we're ending right now, so you can go and sign up. Meet our team coordinators, meet our leaders, and feel free to get some coffee and food and hang out for a bit. We love you guys. Have a great Sunday. See you in groups.